The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. You have a copy of God's Word. Would you join me? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This morning... We turn our attention to verse 4. We are in Hebrews 11 in our study of Hebrews, which is an exploration of faith. Uh, What faith is, what faith does, and how this faith was exemplified and personified in this list of Old Testament saints. I like what one commentator said. He said, ultimately, it is not these men and women who are on display in all their variety of experience, but rather the one faith that shows its various facets in their lives. Though we will study together a a large number of Old Testament Saints, and we will cover thousands of years and a whole host of experiences. Reality is, what, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about and what each one of these experienced and lived is, is not a set of different faith, but one faith. One faith. It's the same faith that we're called into as believers in the the Lord Jesus Christ. So, writer of Hebrews begins in Hebrews chapter 11, the first three verses by working to to define for us the the nature, the characteristic, the work, foundation of this faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, whereby the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we learn, beginning of Hebrews 11, that faith is assurance and conviction. It is a a sure knowledge. Um, The assurance and the conviction of things hoped for and the things unseen. And that this kind of of faith, we talked about those things hoped for and those things unseen last week. But that that kind of faith, this assurance, this conviction, that kind of faith works to receive from God commendation. To receive from God good pleasure towards us. That there's one way to please God and that way is the way of faith. And that this kind of faith becomes ours and is based on the foundation of the Word of God. And that's verse 3. It seems like creation is the the main subject of verse 3, but it isn't. The main subject of verse 3 is the Word of God. It's by faith that we believe that all things were created by the Word of God. So that all that was made that is visible was made from what is invisible. Namely, the Word of God. And so after this opening verses of these, what faith is, it's 
its foundation, its, its work, its nature. The writer of Hebrews then gives examples, real life examples of how this faith has been worked out in the lives of those who have gone before us. And he does so really chronologically. And so the first person of faith, the first faith that is explored is the faith of Abel, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The faith of, of Abel. So our, our exposition this morning, our text is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. But obviously, if we're going to understand what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews 11, verse 4, and the, the life and the offering of and the faith of Abel, then it's, it's helpful to go and to read the Old Testament account of what's, what's happening here. So this will be our pattern as we move through Hebrews chapter 11. So you're welcome to keep your finger there in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, but go with me back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. This is the story of these two brothers, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. You must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive 
and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the story of Cain and Abel. It's a story of fratricide. It's the murder of a, of a brother. It's a story of jealousy, anger. But it's also a, a story of faith. The story of the faith of Abel. And that is what's in view here in Hebrews chapter 11. So I am sure that you, like me, probably have a whole lot of questions about Genesis chapter 4. And all that was, was mentioned there. But that is not our text this morning. So I'm not preaching Genesis chapter 4. I'm sure I will one day. That's not today. There's, there's lots in Genesis chapter 4 that we are not told explicitly. There's a, there's a whole lot left out. And it, it raises for us a, a whole lot of, of questions. And we're not told in Genesis chapter 4 why it is that God regarded the offering of Abel and not of Cain's. Genesis chapter 4 does not tell us that. Now, Hebrews 11 tells us. But Genesis 4 doesn't. Obviously, from the story, Cain had some character flaws, didn't he? Cain had an, an evil heart. The story... The text doesn't really tell us that. So the writer of Hebrews lets us into the mind and to the heart of God here, doesn't he? And he shows us that the reason why the offering of Abel was accepted and Cain's was rejected is because Abel's offering was accompanied by his faith. And it was his faith that made his offering more acceptable than the offering of, of Cain's. This is what's in view here. That's the point of Hebrews 11.4. The point is what it is that is acceptable to God. That should be the question that you ask, and that should be the question that I ask. I mean, if we're going to be believers, if we're going to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to be um, the people of God, then we should be asking, Lord, what is it that you find acceptable? <coughs> because we want to bring to you what you find good and pleasing and right. So what was it that made Abel's offering an offering of faith 
was it that made it an offering of faith? And what made it, by extension of that, acceptable? That's, that's the question of Cain and Abel. That should be the question we come to in Hebrews chapter 11. What, what is it that made Abel, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain? What is it that made it so? That's, that's the question for us from the text. Well, there are, there are really sort of two historical, historically two ways of answering that question. There's, there's historically two opinions of what made Abel's offering more acceptable than Cain's offering. That's what, this, what the scriptures say here. Abel's offering more acceptable than Cain's offering. So what was it? There's two ways. The first is that Abel's offering was more acceptable because Abel was a man of faith and Cain was not a man of faith. That's, that's the, the first way of, of understanding it. God accepted Abel's sacrifice while he rejected Cain's sacrifice. And so that would mean that the main difference and issue here are the differences in the men, the people, the character of, of Abel and the character of, of Cain. That God accepted Abel and his offering because of the character of Abel and, and rejected Cain's because of the, the character of Cain. And there, there are a lot of theologians that hold this view Men like, like John Calvin hold this view, that the difference was in the men. And it certainly is true to say that it is the man of faith that God accepts and that God rejects those who lack faith. That is a true statement. Um, it's a true sentiment. And to believe that and to understand that does have some merit. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, But whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is a sin. Talking about the, 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 the food sacrificed to idols. and you know, Is it right or wrong to eat that food? Is it, is it sinful to eat the food? Is it not sinful to eat the food? And, and Paul just sort of lands and says, Listen, if you believe that it's wrong to eat that food, and you eat the food, then it's sin for you. We, we, we need to do all things out of, out of faith. What does not ever, what does not proceed from faith is, is sin. And so because of that, because Abel was a man of faith and Cain was not a man of faith, then God received the offering of Abel and rejected the offering of Cain. That's one view. That's one understanding. And like I said, there's, there's some merit to that. I certainly wouldn't, you know, tell John Calvin he was wrong. Just wouldn't do it. Smarter than me. But it, it could be, and it probably is, that there was more to it than just the character of these, these brothers. The second way to, to view this is not the difference in the, in the brothers but the difference in the offerings. 
difference in the offerings. See, there is clearly in Genesis chapter four, there is clearly a, a, a differentiation, a distinction, and as such, an emphasis on the differing offerings that the two brought. And, and it is in these differing offerings that we see the faith of one and the unbelief of the other. That Abel offered to God an offering that was accepted and it was an offering of blood. And Cain made an offering that was rejected because it did not involve the, the shedding of blood. You see, the question that we must ask is whether or not God had given commands on the type of sacrifices that would be offered to him. That's the question. Had God given instructions and commands to, to the first parents, Adam and Eve, and to their children, Cain and Abel, had God given instruction to them as to the kinds of sacrifices that were to be offered? That's, that's the, the question. Now, you say, well, no, he didn't because it's not in the Bible. Well, the, not everything that the Lord said to Adam and Eve or to Cain and Abel are, is recorded in Genesis. We, we, the, we, there's, there's not enough pages, I am sure, to, to hold all of this. But I do think that there's enough in Genesis to show us what it is that God was showing them that he required. And to answer that question, it, it brings us back a chapter to Genesis chapter 3, specifically verse 21. Genesis chapter 3 is the recorded story of man's rebellion and sin. How Adam and Eve were tempted by the evil one. And chose to believe um, his lies and their own desires. That's what's at the root of this. Their own desires over the word of God. What's the foundation for faith? It's the word of God. What did they lack? They, they lacked a belief and a trust in, in the word of God. And so they disobeyed God and they, they did the, the one thing God said they couldn't do. Everything else open. One thing. Do not eat from that tree. And that's what they do. And so God confronts them. And in his confrontation of, of them, they do what we all do when we're confronted with our sin and our wrongdoing. They attempt to shift the blame. So Adam blames Eve and Eve blames God. And there's an attempt to shift their blame and cover their shame. But God doesn't have any of this. He certainly knows the truth and the state of our hearts and theirs as well. And so God responds to their sin with curses. God curses them. God curses the serpent and God curses mankind. And in that moment, in that moment of rebellion and sin, a curse entered into humanity that spread to all of humanity. And it is the, the curse of sin. And God rightly curses them. But God doesn't leave them there in this, 
in this state of, of cursing and God doesn't leave them there in their shame. Instead, we see in verse 21 what God does to deal with the problem of their sin. And even then, all the way back at the very beginning, in the garden, we see the framework for what it is that God requires. And it is the central message of salvation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, says that the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Their nakedness represented their shame, their shame that was brought on them because of their sin, this curse upon them now. And God, in His grace, dealt with their sin by the slaying of an innocent animal. There was, in the garden, at the first sin, there was offered a substitute. There was offered a sacrifice. God had cursed them. And God had made it clear that sin would produce death. And here, right from the very beginning, we see that it did. In the garden, at the very beginning, an innocent shed blood in their place. And it was in this moment in Genesis chapter 3 that God was revealing to humanity the manner by which we, as sinful people, must come to approach Him. Here in Genesis chapter 3, with the, the slaughter of an animal... God is teaching them what kind of sacrifice they ought to bring Him. And it's through this experience that we should evaluate their offering. Because there is clearly a distinction in their offering. Cain, the older brother, brought an offering from the ground. I am sure that there were some things to commend from his offering. He's a worker of the ground. These are his, what he works to, to produce. He's bringing it to the Lord. Isn't that commendable? His own labor, labor had produced it. I'm sure that this offering from the ground was, was pleasing to the eye and was sweet to the taste. I mean, you take, you take this, this fruit of the, the, the ground offering to the Lord, how much more pleasing to the eye and sweet to the taste would that be than a, 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 a bloody, dead animal? But the problem with Cain's offering was that it did not keep with the pattern that God had put in place in Genesis chapter 3. It did not involve the shedding of blood. That was the key difference between the two offerings. Abel's offering was from the firstborn of the flock. And it was the shedding of blood. His offering 
kept with the pattern that God had established with his parents. Because it was in the shedding of blood that Abel's offering pointed forward to the atoning death of a spotless substitute. I like what Richard Phillips says. He says, by faith, Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's. Not just because Abel's faith made it better, but because by faith he offered the sacrifice God had established as the means by which he would accept sinful mankind. So I think it's safe to say, and it seems to me both of these options are true, that the differences in their offerings illustrate the differences in their faith. The differences in their offering illustrate the differences in their character. So, what do we, what do we learn from this example that's given in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4? This faith of Abel. Well, the first thing we see is that mankind is accepted by God only by faith in the blood of the sacrifice that God has provided. Mankind is accepted by God only by faith in the blood of the sacrifice that God has provided. It is no leap to get there and to understand Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, in those terms. Because the message of Hebrews is that it was the better sacrifice of Jesus. It was His better blood that takes away our sins. That's, that's the, the message of Hebrews. We, we spent weeks and weeks and weeks looking at the blood and the, the, the offerings in the Old Testament and how they pointed forward to a better blood. Blood. It's always been that our sin has brought upon us a curse that is only paid for by death, by the shedding of blood. That's the only way. And so in the garden, there was one that died so that Adam and Eve didn't have to in that moment. Throughout the Old Testament, there was put into place a sacrificial system where animals were killed, where blood was shed so that the people of God would not be killed by Him immediately, His wrath temporarily appeased. All pointing forward to the one who would come whose blood was able because it was better to once and for all remove the guilt and the curse and the shame and the power of sin and death, Jesus Christ. That's the message of Hebrews 11, and so, or of the book of Hebrews. So when we get to Hebrews 11, chapter 4, it, it's not a leap to understand that the, the reason why the emphasis is made here between the offerings is because 
Mankind is accepted by God only by faith in the blood of the sacrifice that God has provided. That it was the better sacrifice of Jesus and His better blood that takes away our sins. And that this is granted to us according to our faith in Him and His blood for us. Here's here's what this means for us. And here's what's illustrated in the story of, of these brothers. It means that we cannot come to God any way we choose. You can't just say that you believe in God and then decide for yourself what that means and how you are going to relate to Him. You can't do it. You can't do it. I realize that's popular. That there's a whole host of people who, who think and believe that, you know, I mean, if you just believe in God, that's, that's, that's good enough. None of the rest of it matters. That's silliness. You can't read the Bible and walk away. You, you can't honestly read the Bible and walk away with that. You can't do it. You can't do it because you can't look at the story of Cain and Abel and walk away believing that. Because did Cain believe in God? You better believe he believed in Him. He had a conversation with Him. He brought an offering to Him. It wasn't enough. What's James say? You believe in God? Good for you. That's the Jason translation. You believe in God, you do well. That's the, the right translation. Even the demons believe in God and they shudder. It's more than just a belief. You can't just believe in Him and then think that you can come to Him any way you want to come to Him. No, it matters how we come to God. It matters. This was, this was Cain's problem. Cain came to God to offer an offering to Him according to His his own terms. What is it that that Cain has brought as this offering? He brought what pointed to his own work. He brought what pointed to the works of his hands. Look what I have done. Look what I have produced. Versus Abel who brings an offering of blood in the hopes that the shed blood of this animal would remove his guilt. We cannot come to God based on our own work. We cannot come to Him based on our own merit or our own righteousness. We can only come to Him through Jesus and His sacrifice and offer to God an offering that points to Christ and His work. We come to Him and we offer Him our whole lives because Christ gave His whole life. You can only come to God through Jesus Christ. James Montgomery Boyce says, if one comes first through faith in Christ and His shed blood, then he can present all the beautiful things 
he is capable of finding or creating. And God will be pleased by this because the person does not trust these things for salvation, but rather is offering them to God just because he loves him and he wants to show affection. It is only on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ that we can come. It was in this faith that Abel came and he offered a sacrifice to God in keeping with the prescription that God had put in place in Genesis chapter chapter three. And it was according to this faith that Abel was declared to be righteous. By faith, verse four, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. The differences were in the sacrifices. And it was through this, through which he was commended as righteous. It was through his faith that he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. You see, Abel was a sinner. It's easy to read this story and think, man, Cain was a nasty sinner. Guess what? So was Abel. Abel was a sinner, being the son of Adam and bearing his sin. Yet when he came to God, he came bearing the blood of a substitute. And the Lord had regard for him. And God accepted him and commended him as righteous. The blood turned away the wrath. And his faith in God was counted as righteousness. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 is the doctrine of justification by faith. Justification by faith alone. That we are made justified. We are made righteous before God. Not according to our work, but according to our faith in Jesus' work. That's it. Listen, it's on that. It is on that. Justification by faith alone. It's on that. That the whole of, of, of Christianity split in the Protestant Reformation. I saw on that that countless men and women have given their lives, they have died for that. It's on that that everything hangs. That we are justified, we are made right before God, our sin is removed, and we stand before Him holy based not on our works, but on our faith. It's on that that everything hangs. Our prayers don't accomplish that. Our offerings don't accomplish that. Our good works don't accomplish that. Only our faith in Jesus Christ accomplishes that. And what was it about Abel? It was an offering that shed blood that pointed towards the better sacrifice and Abel's faith that God would, according to His grace, receive that offering in His place. 
was that faith that commended him as righteous. The blood turned away the wrath. And his faith was counted as righteous. Justification is your and is my greatest need. There's nothing we need more than to be justified before God. Because without it, we stand condemned to an eternity in hell because of our sin. There's nothing that you need or I need more than justification to be made right before a holy God. The question for us then is how can we receive it? And the answer is according to faith in Christ and Christ alone. We are made justified according not to our work, but by faith in Jesus' work. And then I I, I love the the flip side of that that we find in in Romans chapter 3. And that is that God is just because our sins are paid for in Christ and not simply passed over. Justification, our greatest need. And the reality is, the great reality is that it is available to all who have faith. That it makes no difference who you are, where you are from, what you have done, what you know, what you have not done. God justifies the one who has faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice in their place. This is the message of the faith of Abel. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. That's what the scriptures say. Through through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The faith of Abel still speaks. I like the way one commentator put it. He said, faith bore testimony to Abel that he was accounted righteous. And now, Abel bears testimony about faith, about its value, about its worth, about its power to justify those who trust in Christ. Abel's faith still speaks to us today. A faith that trusts in a sacrifice in our place. A faith then that pointed to Christ Jesus. A faith now that rests in Him. His faith still speaks. Now imagine this. Abel, for all we know, is the first person to die. first death of mankind. The first sinner to die. And according to grace, the first man to appear in heaven. How glorious it must have been 
Can you imagine? Scriptures talk about things that the angels long to see, to experience. This was it. A sinner welcomed into the presence and the glory of God for all eternity. What does Abel's faith still speak to us? It speaks to us that there is hope for mankind. And that there is glory for God. That when Abel drew his last breath and his blood ran into that field... And in that moment, to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And Abel stood in the presence of a holy God, justified. In that moment, God received glory for his goodness and his grace. For the first time, a sinner appeared in the holy, heavenly temple of God. And he did so, cleansed, and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now you may say, wait a minute. Jesus hadn't come, he hadn't died. Go read Romans 3. Go read Romans 3. Abel was justified according to his faith and he stood in the holy heavenly temple clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And before the earthly time of Christ, Abel, though dead, spoke of a sacrifice that was to come and that would take away sin. And that would be ours, not according to our righteousness or our law keeping or our spirituality or our working of our hands, but one that is ours only according to faith. His faith still speaks. So what kind of testimony of faith is your life? proclaiming. And though you may not be guilty of killing your brother, though sometimes you may want to. Are you guilty of coming to the Lord on your own terms, offering to Him your own works in the hopes that He would find those acceptable enough, beautiful enough, good enough to welcome you into His presence and to have regard for you? Or are you coming based solely on the sacrifice of the substitute who died in your place, Jesus Christ? Because there is only one offering that God accepts. And it's the offering of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is that faith which counts towards us as justification. And we are welcomed into His presence for all eternity, side by side with Abel and a whole lot more to come. Let's pray together. Father, what good news there is in this verse that you are just and you are the justifier of the one who has faith. And that you, according to your grace, counted Abel as righteous according to his faith. 
that an offering had been made and blood had been shed in his place. A substitute. A death that pointed forward, blood that pointed forward to the one who would ultimately come and die, to the blood that would ultimately be shed by Christ Jesus on our behalf to once and for all remove the curse and the penalty and the payment of sin so that all who come to him by faith in his work, in his blood, in his sacrifice, in his life could receive from God justification made right before him so that now we're clothed in Christ's righteousness and eventually we'll be welcomed into your presence clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Welcome. Not because we've earned it or deserved it, but because you are gracious. May we have that kind of faith, faith of Abel. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.